This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Allison on from Render, and our topic is hiring top talent during a tech recession. Allison, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and Render? Sure thing. Um, Thanks for having me, William. I appreciate it. I'm Allison Berto. I lead the people team here at Render. Um, If you aren't familiar with us, we are a zero DevOps cloud platform, small series A company. And what we do is we can host anything on the web, you know, simple to complex. Um, We allow for the controls and flexibility of sort of traditional infrastructure as a service companies, um, think AWS, GCP, but without the maintenance headaches of using those services. So that means that startups can build and launch their products really fast. Um, Larger companies can eliminate the need to build expensive DevOps teams as they grow. And everyone can just focus on, you know, building their company and their product. I love it. Well, wonderful uh, description of what Render does because it's actually really complex. So, (laughs) uh, but you, you made it sound simple. So I appreciate that. So let's, Let's jump into the the topic, which is hiring top talent during a tech recession. Um, first of all, do you do you, what do you see? You're you're sitting in San Francisco, so what do you see right now with tech talent? Yeah, so um, there's a pretty massive shift over the last you know three months, and we have seen here at Render uh, just you know a total change in the frame of mind from hiring uh, folks that are doing hiring at startups at large companies and candidates. Uh, You know, the market was pretty crazy uh, three months ago. um, We actually here at Render had to sort of do market adjustments on all of our compensation bands in the, you know, the upward direction to compete with um, the the offers that our candidates were seeing from larger companies, other other small companies. And uh, over, you know, the last few months that has shifted in completely the different direction. Um, Everybody uh, is worried about being laid off, you know, candidates are, recognizing that companies aren't hiring like they used to, and that's influencing sort of their decisions, um, influencing their their likelihood of, of jumping jobs. Um, and it's definitely also impacting sort of the morale of, of our company, of every company, because there's just a little bit of uncertainty, no matter how stable your company is. So, so one of the things that at the beginning of COVID in 20, let's say March, we went through a period of, uh, you know, let's say four or five months where we laid off. There was a bunch of layoffs. Yeah. And then very quickly, <laughs> uh, we then realized, okay, uh, we still have to sell stuff. We still have to do things. Uh, and then we went on a hiring. I mean, for two years, it was frenetic. It's just this pace, uh, salary expectations, uh, demands on remote work and all kinds of things. Um mm-hmm. 
Do you see this as just kind of the pendulum moving back uh, a little bit to kind of correct for some of, you know, maybe maybe the correction of a correction? Uh, or do you see this as something that's going to last uh, for a longer period of time? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, certainly, I don't presume to be the expert on where the market will go and um, and how long sort of the pendulums will swing in this direction more broadly. Um, but I do think that absolutely the, at least the, the tech hiring space was due for a little bit of a correction either way. Right. Uh, as I mentioned, the, the salaries, the, the offers um, were getting, were getting pretty out of hand almost. Um, and, you know, candidates had all of the control and, and they still have a lot of it actually, um, believe it or not. But, but, uh, I do think that there was, um, a little bit of a correction that was needed. So, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see where that, go, where, where we land. Um, but I, I think it probably really depends on the market. Right. So, so we're we're talking about calibration, really. Do during you know this talk is just trying to figure out okay, how how do we calibrate to for our employees for you know in your case for renders you know you're the hires that y'all are going to make, um, salaries obviously one component comp is one component. I think one of the things that I saw was speed, kind of a, how fast things were moving. Um, candidates, by the time we got back to them, they already had jobs or job, you know, five or six job offers. So that speed, I was probably also kind of dealing with how much they were in demand, uh, but also kind of, of expectations. You know, expectations of, of uh, remote work or expectations around just all kinds of stuff. So as, as you look at it, again, you're, you're still hiring and, and you're going to hire uh, through however long this, this lasts. What are you, you going to kind of recalibrate uh, as it relates to kind of your process or tech or kind of the expectation management, et cetera? Yeah, that's a great question. So a few things come to mind here. One is that I think, you know, while, while a recession presents all kinds of challenges, there are some opportunities that come up as well. Um, you mentioned sort of generally how we would calibrate. And I think one of the interesting opportunities right now uh, especially for startups, is to take advantage of sort of the tailwind that there is less hiring competition. Um, some folks are unfortunately losing their jobs and use that to your advantage. There's a little bit of a sense of, uh, I, I think a lot of folks would admit in the tech world, especially elitism, right? Um, Historically, you want to hire somebody who has gone to Stanford and MIT or, or MIT and worked at you know, Google or Facebook, and this is the profile that you look for. Um, but you know, there are a lot of great people that will be looking for jobs right now. Um, maybe those that chose a less known startup that's not, not going to make it through this recession, right? Or someone graduating from a boot camp that doesn't have all of the doors opened to them. 
And um, I think if you can sort of shift your thinking and broaden your perspective a little bit um, to hire for skills versus sort of their pedigree, um, you can sort of, again, recalibrate what you're looking for, still hire great, really talented engineers or, you know, any role, um, but, but take advantage of the fact that there is a little bit less competition. Um, so that's, that's one thought. And I guess another would be, um, kind of really honing in on the pitch that you give to, uh, your candidates. So you also mentioned kind of expectation setting, right? And we were in this period where companies didn't really have a lot of flexibility in terms of expectations because the candidates could name their requirements. They could work from wherever. And a lot of that is still true. Uh, But, you know, it doesn't do company startups any good to, you know, engage all of these folks at large fame companies in these very stable roles during a recession and, um, and, and get them through the process and realize that, oh no, they're, they're not going to take a series A salary or they're not going to, you know, have the appetite for the risk of a series A company. And so I think setting expectations very early on in the process around, um, you know, what is the opportunity? What is the upside of this? And also wh- what is the risk level and assessing the risk tolerance of the candidate? Um, you know, uh, getting recruiting teams very, very comfortable with that narrative and that conversation um, so that they can have that pretty honest, transparent conversation early on in the process um, can be quite useful. Um, so yeah, I, I think those are a couple of things to have in mind. Well, I love, I love that you bring risk tolerance into this because it's, it's interesting because you live in the, in the heart of uh, the madness. Uh, <laughs> when, when someone gets a series A mm, in Chicago or Dallas or Atlanta, that's usually a sign of a stable. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Stabi- stability is reached when someone is <laughs> serious. Um, so it's, you know, I mean, that's just, uh, you, you live in a different world and, and that's probably true of Manhattan and Boston as well. Um, but I love the idea of talking to candidates up front around risk tolerance uh, because that's an expectation. It's like, hey, listen, you, you, you know, you either have this, you either want to be on this rocket ship, uh, or you don't. And rocket ship, you know, can blow up, or it can take us to the moon. Like you either that there's it could you could go either way or, or or somewhere in between. Or if you're comfortable working the job that you have right now, and there's that's fine. You might that might change for you in time. Uh, I love that. And I love talking about comp because comp obviously would probably be different from Google to a uh, series A uh, startup. And again, you know, but, but then the upside is equity. Um, and so that would, now you can balance those things out and say, well, okay, you know, yes, the salary isn't, you know, the exact same, but you know, you can participate uh, from an equity perspective so that if, and when a transaction happens, you know, there, you, there's, there's a way to build wealth, which is Absolutely. nice. Um, I love talking about that. I love that, that you're bringing those things up first. Dumb question alert. Please. Active versus passive candidates. Uh, historically, we've had a bias, <laughs> whether or not we talk about it or not, we've had a bias against active candidates. 
Mm-hmm. What's your take on, like, if we were to approach somebody that's got a job right now at another Series A startup, so we've gotten past the risk tolerance and comp issues, but they're at another Series A startup, th- them with uncertainty, their willingness to leave what they know for what they don't know. Are we, is it easier or better right now for recruiters to just focus on active talent because they're actively looking or do you you think that we still look for people that are uh, passive because they have jobs? Good question. I, I, I totally agree with you on there being this bias and um, that's, that's essentially why, why I mentioned that, you know, sometimes, especially leadership outside of the recruiting world, say your head of engineering or your founders at at one of these companies can um, perpetuate that bias by, you know, being feeling a little bit allergic to these folks who are coming in and and wanting a job and, and thinking that, oh, the only, the only talent that's worth having is those that are at the successful companies that are in a stable role, haven't been laid off, haven't, um, you know, aren't, aren't, aren't sort of considering this move. So that exists. And I do think that, that, that broadening our perspective there and really taking advantage of these active candidates, especially in this market can be very powerful. There's a lot of ways to um, evaluate you know, the talent and skills of candidates that you don't have to rely on just these, um, you know, these, these factors, like, like, like whether or not they're at, you know, a a solid company right now. And um, it can also diversify your team a lot. So, um, you know, typically when you, when, when, companies are sort of stuck in this mode of, oh, we're only going to hire our referrals or from these companies that we know of. And um, we're only, you know, going to invest our time in picking out these sort of hand-selected folks. And you can, you can get a very homogenous group of people. Whereas if you're going to open your minds a little bit to um, candidates with different backgrounds who, for whatever reason, especially in this market, may not be in a job or may not be in a job that they want to stay in. Um, I think you can get a much wider variety of backgrounds and perspectives in your your company, which is a goal of pretty much all of us right now. I love it. How how would your best kind of tip or trick to evaluate you know, skills, both known and kind of the transferable or tangential skills that, that one might have, like, is there a secret, <laughs> is there a secret recipe, Allison? Do you have a, do, oh you have my. a, do you have a, like, how do you go about it? Yeah. So I was so impressed with Render's process here when I started, I've only been at Render for about six months now. Mm-hmm. And when I came in and started learning about the recruiting process that the team has built, I realized that our process here is really, really sacred to the company. So it's not something that our recruiter put into place and everyone else sort of begrudgingly follows. It is, um, it's looked at as truly a, a critical piece of how we hire. And because there is this sort of like like buy-in across the company, um, people are willing to 
to, to, to be very deliberate and thoughtful about, um, about the, the way that they're going about interviewing. And so a lot of companies that I've been in, it's kind of like, oh, you're going to hire for this role. So we'll throw the four or five people that make sense for this, this lineup on and maybe give them some vague, you know, criteria to test for and send them in and have them have some conversations. And that is unlikely to give you a lot of data on, well, really anything um, besides whether or not you enjoy chatting with this person. Um, but the way that Render does it and, and, in, in my past life, uh, you know, Dropbox was really great at this as well, is just being extremely deliberate and intentional around every interview, making sure that every conversation you have with a candidate is targeted at, at getting at one particular skill, one um, dimension that that candidate needs to have to be successful. Um, so it's, it's really around rigor. Um, the other thing I would mention is you know, for technical hiring, which at Render we are doing so much of, the majority of our hiring is engineers. Um, there are a lot of platforms out there to help with this. Um, my last company, TripleByte, many of you may have heard of, is designed to do exactly this, is to, to, to give you skills data on engineers versus that pedigree, uh, you know, resume. Um, but there's there's a number of companies that are doing that right now. And um, it would be great if that existed for more than just engineering, um, but it, especially for the software engineering hiring right now, there's there's really a lot of opportunity to get pretty skills based with it. So, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is: Are we rethinking the definition of top talent with this, with the recession, with what's going on with the economics, and and also just people feeling? Uh, a certain way? Are we rethinking the what is and isn't top talent? I think we should be. Whether we are, there you go. There you is go. another there question. You go. There you go. That's exactly how I should have phrased it. Uh, uh, should we be rethinking the definition of top talent? Because you mentioned it earlier. It's like, okay, we're kind of pedigree driven and name driven if you've worked with these you know certain firms certain companies then obviously you're successful and you'll be successful here which uh none of that is true it's just an illusion but it's an illusion that's you know a lot of people buy into the same illusion so it's it's it becomes real at some point how does this recession help us kind of rethink that yeah yeah um Ooh. As we said, I do think that we should be doing this. I think it's right. a work in progress. Um, it does require sort of a mental shift that is going to be a little bit. Um, it, it's been it's been a work in progress for a while, right? Yeah. Um, I think companies have been coming to this realization over the last um, ten years. I, I would say. Um, it, I will say that the, the, the framework that leadership and hiring teams have, um, at least in my experience today, has improved in this respect quite a bit from sort of um, the 2010 era tech world. 
but we still have a ways to go. I do think that a recession can be a good opportunity to kind of force this a little bit more. Um, and I think looking at, you know, what does success look like on our team? You know, when we are a little bit more experimental, when we are, um, maybe quote unquote riskier in our hiring, because we're not following this, you know, this pattern that we've, we've come become comfortable with. Um, how does that work out in the organization? Uh, I find in, in, in my HR capacity that a lot of times the folks that are really successful are those without the specific experience. They're the ones with the hunger, the drive, um, and uh, if that's true, then can we can we hire for that? Um, can we assess that in the interview process? Um, you know, uh, yeah. So I, th- I think it's an opportunity. It's not going to come uh, without some work, though. One hundred percent. I think you you had mentioned uh, diversify. This is a great time to diversify your your what we think of as top talent. Also, uh, there's more candidates on the market, so uh, hopefully, there's a way to look at that. And uh, if we if we're trying to push you know different DEI uh, initiatives, this is a wonderful time to now because we don't have the frenetic same frenetic pace that we did of a, of a couple months ago we can actually s- slow things down and maybe find more diverse talent. Do you, am, am I making that up or do you see something similar? Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, you know, when, when we feel that we can, you know, build our team with just referrals uh, and, and you'll, you'll hear companies say that, you know, oh, we primarily hire referrals. That's our strongest hiring pipeline. And yet diversity uh, is, <laughs> is really important to us. <laughs> Those things are <laughs> nearly always um, yeah. at odds with each other. Yes, they are. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think taking advantage of a lot more candidates on the market, a lot of candidates with different backgrounds. Um, You know, another thing that I would mention is that oftentimes, you know, companies are still hiring during a recession, render is, but those hiring targets may have decreased. And so you might find yourself with some time on your recruiting team's hands and you can invest that time in in building the program and specifically iterating on the interview process to make sure that you're assessing for skills that the candidates actually need to be successful or building your employer brand to show your, you know, diverse and inclusive culture Um, or, you know, investing in training for the team on how to conduct a great interview process. Um, And so, you know, it, 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 it is harder sometimes to find diverse profiles because you don't know exactly where to look. You don't know what exactly to look for. Um, and so perhaps many teams could use this sort of slowdown in hiring as an opportunity to target those different profiles. Yeah, I think, I think you, you nailed it for me. It's uh, again, Referrals, the only time I've seen that work uh, as it relates to diversity is when you incentivize people to refer diverse talent. So it's not just refer a friend, which kind of looks a lot like you. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's refer someone that doesn't look like you. It's, 
you know, people that, that aren't like you that I've seen that work, but just referrals on their, on their base. It's, it's a, it's a whole lot of like me type stuff that ends up happening. Um, let me ask you the last question I have is around morale. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, we deal with recession. Y'all are still hiring. You're going to hire slower and probably it'll be a little bit more deliberate in your, in your way that you go about it. Um, you may, maybe you're not hiring the same volume of people and maybe you're going to be a little bit more deliberate how do we how do we how do we keep morale in hr and in ta how do we keep morale up it is so hard um i think every every people leader over the last two and a half years has asked this oh. question oh, yeah. daily monthly <laughs> oh questioning life decisions yes <laughs> yes <laughs> i could have been i could have been anything why why did i choose this career yeah. yeah, it is so hard. And, you know, no matter where an individual company is, you know, w- we are still hiring. Many startups are still hiring. Yes, albeit at a slower pace. Um, but employees are going to feel unstable. They're going to feel uncertain. They're going to feel scared. Um, and, and the whole sort of mentality has changed. This, this may be something that's a little bit more unique to this where I am, this the Silicon Valley m- mentality. But when things are good, there is just this. Uh, everyone's drinking the Kool Aid, you know. It, it, there's right. there's nothing that can get us down, and and we're we're all on a rocket ship to the moon. And that reality check that happens when the market changes, um, especially for those earlier in their career who haven't seen this before can be quite traumatic. Um, so some things that, you know, we're doing, I, I don't think we have a, a magic recipe here and I won't say that we do. I think as transparent as you can possibly be about the state of your company, the better, um, we share our, you know, runway with our team, our cash runway. How long do we have before we need to, you know, do another round of funding? What exactly, um, are our investors saying in terms of, you know, what we need to work on and, and um, you know, how, how they think that next round of funding would go for us. Um, I repeat it. So a lot of times the, the, the leadership of the team says, oh, well, we explained that last month. They're good. And no, this stuff is, first of all, it's a little bit hard to kind of grok if you're not in it every day. And secondly, when people have that sort of, when, when emotions are tied to it, I think repetition can be very helpful. So really just driving home the message of, you know, what, where is the company? What can we count on? What do we need to work on and making people feel like they are, um, they're, they're part of it versus just along for the ride, I think can be a big, um, a big help. And yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to managers just understanding that these emotions might not even always be rational, um, oh. but they are coming up for people and giving them space to feel that and space to talk about it. Um, yeah, but it, there's no magic recipe here. No, but I, I think that you've nailed something that, that that actually has eluded me in terms of the first four or five months of the pandemic. HR was thrust into not just employee communications, but corporate communications. 
mm-hmm. even more so than 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 most people uh, thought of. There was everyone looked at HR like, what are we doing? And so that this this both of the two pronged strategy of transparency and communication. It's like, okay, we don't know what we don't know. Okay, N- tomorrow we don't know what we don't know. You know, I mean, this whole idea of transparency and almost to the point of over communicating, which is I don't know if you can do technically, but let's just go run with it. Uh, I love the idea of repetition that you you mentioned because it's like, listen, these people, everyone, again, uh, people, people working in demand generation and marketing, they're not steeped in what investors are thinking about the market, uh, or, or maybe they are, but but the idea is even if they are, it's still no excuse not to communicate. So. You, you know, it's it's. I love that y'all communicate your runway and also what's going on with attitudes uh, with the investors. But I think I think essentially you do have a, kind of a magic bullet in the sense of it's what worked for you and what worked for a lot of HR people leaders uh, at the beginning of the pandemic with transparency and communication. So you do have yeah. a magic bullet. <laughs> Great, I'm set then. Done. <laughs> yeah, Allison, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Thank you, William. This was really fun. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.